Alrighty, Cowboy and Cowgirl Nation, the time has arrived. We are back in the saddle again. Right around the corner, we're going to bring in our first guest ever, and I'm beyond elated. I'm beyond excited. So let's just get this thing rocking and rolling, everybody. You are locked on Oklahoma State, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma State Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Howdy, y'all, and hello, all. Welcome back to Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily stop for all things cowboy and cowgirl related. I am very blessed today to be joined by the man himself, Stefan Johnson Sr. Today we are partially brought to you by Omaha Steaks, your butcher since 1917. Stefan Johnson, how are you doing, sir? Man, Cody, I'm good, man. I'm, I'm blessed. I'm blessed to uh, be able to be here and chop it up with you, man. I'm excited. Let's get it. Well, we'll jump right off into it. I'm going to go ahead and ask what all Cowboy fans have been wondering for an entire year now. Why Boogie? You mean why the name or why Oklahoma State? Yes, sir. Why the name? Yes, sir. Oh, that's simple. When, When he was a baby, man, he would dance around the house like crazy. Like, I mean, there was not a moment, you know, where music came on and he wouldn't just stop what he was doing with his pamper on and boogie. So I did. I did. You know, his, his, his mom just kind of coined the turn. And, and the funny thing is I messed it up. It's my fault because that name was never supposed to come outside of the house, but <laughs> it, it, it kind of, you know, became his name in the house every day. And me, it sounded weird. If, if saying my own name, like if he's doing something and it's like Stefan, I'm like, what? Like I'm talking to myself. So, you know, outside of the house, I just started calling him, you know, Boogie because I didn't want to say my own name uh, and, and it stuck. So it's been his name since he was one. So he, he's, he's, you know, 18 years with that name. So our first conversation together, um, we, we, I, I just I sent you a message. And basically, A, thank you for you and Mama Bear allowing your son to bless us with his time thus far in Stillwater, Oklahoma. But the thing that caught me was his footwork. His footwork and his route running ability to be able to push up on the DB and get the DB to commit before he made his moves. That is a very, very upperclassman style of, of, of running. So I wanted to ask you, when did it really start for him and his development? The day you saw, okay, I'm going to push this because I see, I see potential greatness here. Um, man, I, I would honestly say very early in, in the sense of the speed was the first thing that, that I saw. He, um, would be mimicking him and my daughter when I would do, you know, train older kids that were in high school when he was four, three and four, him and my daughter would take the cones and kind of mimic, you know, what, what I would do. 
And I just kind of watched, you know, as I was moving around, like, huh, okay, that looks pretty good. So, of course, you know, being a track coach, I put him in the 50 at, at a very early age. It's called a munchkin race, right? You know that. Yeah. Uh, and the, the first time I, I put him in a munchkin race, he won, you know. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, we might have something. So he would – at track practice, he would he would come in, you know, kind of run around a little bit. I, I didn't um, force him to practice until he was like really intrigued by it, you know, until probably the age of five. You know, he would just come out, run around. He'd jump on the track, run with the kids, and then he'd walk off and go play. And so I just let him, you know, get exercise. And then uh, you had the musket race maybe four or five times a season. You know, and anytime it, it would come up, I just throw him out there and he would win again and win again, you know, uh, and, and if not win, he would get very close, you know. So in the state of Texas, in the state of tech, where in Houston, nonetheless, where Houston and Dallas got, you know, and I'm talking, you know, kids now that are amazingly fast, you know, um, so it just kind of you know, blossom from that. And then we started flag football at four. Um, and and he, he really took a liking to it. Fast forward. I didn't push him to do tackle until he was seven uh, because I wanted him to understand the game of football. Right. We, we, we did flag football up until seven because we would, you know, sit on the blackboard teaching X's and O's, go outside. I had to, you know, paint stuff on the ground. You know, here's here's your holes. You know, you got to learn your hole because I want him to be able to play running back, linebacker, so I want him to understand where the holes were and, and be able to see it before slow the game down. You know, I, I would always so cool. go back to, you know, the matrix, right? Mm-hmm. So we would have fun with it. I would just, you know, paint the holes and then we would really do the, the funniest thing about it is honestly um, my, my daughter wanted her, her growing up. She wanted to play tackle football. So I actually used her. And I told you the story of uh, Tony Brown giving all of his football equipment, you know, to boogie passing it down to him. Uh, so for those who don't know, Tony Brown went to Bama and then went to the league. Mm-hmm. He's still he's still playing right now. Hell of a hell of a guy. Um, so I used my daughter to to actually tackle him, and a lot of you know the, the other kids that that came with him in the winter time, and they had a ball. I mean, she used to beat the. I mean, she would <laughs> murder him, you know. And and it was it was fun for her because that was kind of her way of you know letting off that football steam. Um, and she's still playing, right? Some flag yeah. stuff. Yes. Um, so it, it, it was, you know, it was fun for them until, you know, one day he kind of hit her and she was like, okay, you know what? I'm good. I, I don't want to do it no more. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I think he's ready now, you know. <laughs> um, but the, the athleticism was there very, very early. Uh, I think it, it was – because he watched so much with, I posted a video today on Twitter uh, showing one of the kids that, that I trained from Beaumont Westbrook and they would just stand and watch him and watch and watch and watch. And they would try to do it. 
and they would get frustrated, you know, when they couldn't do the stuff that he could do. And then we started talking about movement, you know, about basketball. Because to me, all sports are the same if you know functional movement. If you know how to move, you can go from one sport fluidly to another. If you just have to understand what the body does, right? It's only so much the body can do. So we would go through these scenarios. I would run and say, hey, if my leg went this way, what's going to happen? What are my scenarios? You know, and make him think about it, right? So the older he got, I could see those wheels turning in the game. And I'm like, how did you know to do that? And he was like, I, I, don't, I know what they were going to do before they did it. Right. So I'm like, oh, OK, well, you're learning, you know. Um, and and I, I think now it, it's so easy for them. You know, th- the one trick I taught them was watch if you play basketball, watch your opponent in their warm ups, you know, their weaknesses just by them warming up. Same thing in football. If you're a receiver, watch how the DB warms up. You're going to know if he's stiff in the hips, if he stumbles, if he's heavy on his heels. If you watch the warm-ups, you'll know that. You know, and then now, guess what? You try them, you test them. And then when you find that weakness, you know, now you exploit it. So, and then it was just a, a, a simple thing of, you know, I, I I wasn't into the fancy stuff. You know, it was right. more yeah. like the Kobe Bryant mentality. Do do the same thing over and over and over until you mastered it. And then we add another layer and then add another layer. Um, and it got to the point to where the one thing I knew uh, he, he showed early was he, he couldn't catch a cold. Uh, and this was during his flag years. He couldn't catch. So we started. He played uh, quarterback. He played quarterback, running back. He played – I even had him on the line. Like, he was a lineman. Like, literally, he played every position. Uh, possibly – he would cry, like, why you got me playing on the line? I'm like, dude, in order to be a great football player, you have to know what everybody does. You know, and you don't know what you're going to end up being when you get older. So we're going to try every position until you learn every position, you know. Uh, he, he he couldn't catch to save his life. So we we did a neat trick with uh, raw eggs and, and they fell in love with that. You know, if you can catch a raw egg without it breaking, that helps soften your hands up. You know, then went from there to tennis balls, put our chest on the pole, you know, just little things like that over and over and over. And then um, as he got older, I even went crazier with it. I would just take a ball and just throw it and say, catch it wherever it is. You know, if you got to catch it with one hand or how, just bend your body, you know, he'd be like that. The, the ball, I'm like, dude, it's quarterbacks that's not going to get the ball to you in your chest every single time. So you have to catch it wherever it is, you know, and that's where the catch radius came now, right? Um, and it got to a point where, you know, once he started playing receiver and was locked on at receiver, then it was, okay, let me go get you some receiver help. You know, uh, guys that know that position, that played it, that understand that that mindset. But the athleticism part came from just the the functional movement, running track. Uh, and unfortunately, I, I wanted them to play baseball, but that didn't work out because we were, you know, outside playing catch. And I, I hit the ball, went up and it hit him dead in the eye. Swole his eye shut and 
he didn't want to do baseball no more. So <laughs> I, I attribute that to, to me, um, unfortunately. But I think he would have been really good at baseball. He did it for one year. He did it for one season and hated it, you know, because it was just like, he, like, man, it's just too slow. It's boring, you know. And I was like, okay, well, at least you tried. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah, it's you know it's 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 funny you say that. So I raised my kids, the pretty comparable, right? And one thing that they've been doing since they were little, 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 little bitty was whenever I'd give them snacks, I would make them catch it, like you know, little bags of gummies and donuts and whatnot. Even my daughters, and it just get it's to the point now, right? They're all you know grown, but I don't even say anything. I just throw whatever it is, and they catch it and go on about their business. And it's so much fun when they have friends over, especially my daughters. Like you, why did your dad it's just throw so stuff fun. at you? Oh, it's fun. It, it is it is a lot of fun. And you know, doing stuff like that, it, it helps coordination and it helps that 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 bonding thing. Uh, you know, for me, I had I had to learn um to to not put so much stress on you know being great early. You know what I'm saying? I, I think one, it burns kids out. You know, if you put because, I mean, you think about the mental side of it. Right. If a kid is is really good early, especially when it comes to track, you know, kids start winning at an early age. Now you have to train even harder the next year for them to keep winning. Right. Mm -hmm. So now you, you look at winning over and over and over what that does to you mentally. And then when you lose, because it's going to happen at some point. Right. How do I deal with that, you know, mentally? And then the physical part, it's it's a lot of work. So yes. there has to be a balance in, you know, the work and, and play and, and all of that stuff. Because it, for me, uh, my philosophy is I would rather you, you know, be competitive throughout your youth years and get to the point to where when it's time for you to earn a living, meaning scholarship, if you're good enough to go professional, you still have gas left in the tank. But you see so many guys get to college, especially in track, and, you know, physically they start tapping out because they put in so much work to get there. And I'm like, to me, that's worthless because now you can't even earn it. You can't benefit from, you know, your success you know what I'm saying? By by going through that scholarship, you know, Absolutely. To, me, to me, it's worthless. Well, and so we're going to jump into some of the seven on seven stuff that you do, mm-hmm. as well as um, some other things you have coming down the pipeline, you know, because I, I really I really think that in today's recruiting age, um, some things have obviously changed quite a bit since 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 we were doing it. But at the end of the day, the competitive work ethic thing to me that's the most intriguing part of stefan johnson jr's journey to stillwater oklahoma so we're going to jump into a lot of that but real quick i do have to say remind everybody guys the holidays are here achieve gift giving greatness when you give the perfect gift of aged tender and delicious omaha steaks the steak experts at omaha have put together special curated gift packages to help you take out the guesswork of the gifting go to omahasteaks.com Use the code locked on and check out the $30 off we're having right now for your order. Again, go to locked on or go to omahasteaks.com. Use promo code locked on to get that $30 off. 
All right. So, yes, let's jump into some of the, the, the fun stuff, right? In all of the, the seven on seven, right? That's, that's something that's been coming down the pipeline for quite some time. I, I know it started around when I was in high school, and now it's become a major national thing. And it's more than just kids running around with diapers on their, on their heads. Um, it's, it's getting extra work in. It's about those fundamentals, learning how to drive your slant three yards instead of cut it off at two yards and not have to do it, how to get in between the linebacker and, and, and defensive line depth uh, on a crossing route and do it in a live scenario at full speed. It's something that's, that's grabbing, uh, it's been you know, gravitating towards this becoming a, a major, major asset for not only coaches and recruiting, but these athletes as well. So how did you get into that scene uh, and, and give us kind of a, a rundown of how many states you guys kind of cover and uh, the importance of it? Man, um, I can go back to my, my older son, uh, who's, you know, graduated college now him doing seven on seven in, in high school, you know, just for fun, um, you know, with his, his teammates, it wasn't really as competitive back then when he graduated from South Springs in, in Houston, but sixth grade, um, you know, Boogie, there was always, we were always looking for anything competitive, you know, where are, the best athletes, whether it's track, basketball, you know, wherever we can get extra reps, you know, and, and seven on seven was one of those tools that uh, they loved, you know, because it's kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's glorified football, you know, and just another way for them to run and catch, you know, play defense, talk trash. Uh, and, and it was, one of those situations where we had to kind of marry it during track season. Um, so it was a lot of, you know, we would literally leave track meet, go play basketball. And then the next day, seven on seven, <laughs> you know, uh, then it kind of came to a point to where I started doing, you know, tournaments in the Houston area. And it just grew from there. I, I, I started having partnerships with, you know, other guys. And we started Florida, Oklahoma, um, Missouri, you know, all over the country. And it, and, and for, for, for us and for me, it's important for 707 because, one, the way I look at it, if you are a kid that plays second string, third string, and you're not getting any playing time, during the season, definitely play seven on seven so you can get extra reps. You know, that way, when you go back for spring ball, when you go for the fall, the coach can say, what have you been doing? I can show you, you know, I've gotten extra reps. I've gotten better. Right. The mm -hmm. downside to it is, you know, a lot of times, um, like for me, I, I don't like the the. I would rather they use pure linebackers on every team, you know, but uh, yeah. the winning part, the winning part is I got to use a DB, yeah. right? You, you see line. a lot of dime and nickel packages, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Which, which, which is not, not the intended goal. 
Absolutely. That's not helping the, the linebackers cover and it's handicapping them because they need those reps to get better. But you do have a lot of teams that will utilize their true, you know, linebackers because to them, the development part is I want to get you to be better. And for me, that's what I think 707 is is critical in the development part. Right. How do I get the quarterbacks? And if you utilize it correctly, you will get better. But if, yeah, if you know, for, for, for me, oh, I'm sorry to cut you off. You carry on. No, I mean, it's just, you know, uh, again, it, it's how can I take kids again? And 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 I say the same thing in, in Little League. There's always an argument about about spring tackle. Right. Yes. And, and for me, I look at it like if you are a starter on your, your fall tackle team, no, you don't need to play spring ball. But if you right. played, you know, if you were second street, if you didn't get any reps, spring ball should be for you because you didn't get a whole lot of reps during the fall so that you can get those important reps in the off season tackle wise. And then you can take those tools back to the fall to where you can now, you know, push yourself and put yourself in a better position you know, to get playing time. So I think there is a, a huge need for spring tackle. But again, you have to use it in the right context. Same thing with seven on seven, right? You have lineman competitions in high school where in the offseason, a lot of high schools will compete against each other with their linemen. So they're getting important reps in the offseason. So that's been going on forever. So the seven on seven part is important to, to help kids get better in their position. It's how do I develop in the offseason? And I want it to be as close to live as possible without, of course, the injuries, without, uh, you know, getting hurt or, or, or tearing my body apart, right? But how do I get, you know, and the best reps, just like, again, you're not going to get fast in practice. You're going to get fast at a track meet. You know, you, you, you work out in practice, but you test it in a meet, you know, see exactly if what I'm doing is working. So live competition, I'm going to know if, you know, I'm getting better if I'm going against live competition. So I I think seven on seven is, is very important. Um, And, and, and people get it confused and say, well, you can't get scholarship offers from that. That's a ball face lie because coaches want to see your athleticism. They want to see what you can do, with shirts and shorts on. If if that wasn't the case, why do they make you come to a camp? Well, not only that, it's the small nuances that you get to see Absolutely. in seven on seven that you sometimes maybe miss in see. the heat of a game. Absolutely. Right? Especially as a wide receiver, right? Like sometimes you know if you're gonna run a double route concept, you might cheat a little bit closer to the hash so you give yourself more room. Can't well, do that. In seven on seven, it teaches you the spots on the field where you can cheat and the spots that you cannot, because if you cheat too much or your body leans one way or the other, it gives the, the dead giveaway of whether you're going to block or run route or Yeah, so I think 7-on-7 seven seven has come a long way. And the reason you, you're saying the coaches want to see that is because they can focus on those very minute details that get caught in the hogwash during a game sometimes. And simple, simple thing. You go to a college camp one-on-ones. That's the same setting as seven on seven. Now, your 
tackle fit, and, and I don't want I don't want people to, to misconstrue what I'm saying. Seven on seven is the introduction, and, and the the caveat to your tackle film. Your what you do on your tackle film is what's ultimately going to earn you and afford you a scholarship. But the seven on seven film is supplemental to that because it's just another way for coaches to evaluate your talent and, and see, and, and it's documented that kids have had a non-committable offers from seven on seven before they even touch varsity. So that there's proof that it works. So our high school's got a kid like that right now that actually transferred from Enid High to sit behind Gage, gave up a varsity starting spot to come sit behind Gage Gundy at Stillwater, in, in Stillwater Oklahoma because of that exact reason. Because 7-on-7 seven seven and everything gave him some keys to the kingdom, and for him to be able to blossom, he knew he could get a little bit more following somebody like a Gage Gundy. Speaking of Gage Gundy, I know you're very familiar Absolutely. Uh, I, I know you've seen Gage on the scene for quite some time now. Love the kid. Sooner seven. Those guys are, are, are my buddies. Uh, man, I, I I enjoy watching him throw the ball. I mean, he's played in my, my tournaments uh, for the last couple of years now, and he, he's a joy to watch. You know, Sooner seven, those guys are doing a great, great job. Uh, you know, hats off to all seven on seven teams that are really about developing the kids you know, and, and putting them in position to, to and, and that's really what it's all about. Again, it's, it's the development part, you know, trainers, uh, recruiting services. If they're doing it for the right reason, uh, I'm on board. I, I will, you know, kids call me all the time. Hey, coach, you know, which team should I, I go play for? You know, and I'll find out what area you live in. And I'll say, hey, these are great guys. You know, go talk to them because I want it to continue to grow. And I want kids to get better because at, at the end of the day, you know, you, you got to have reps outside of, you know, what you're doing to get better. And it, it's, you know, it, it's a great way to do it. But I, I still say you got to run track, too, on top of that. So find a way to make make both happen. Well, you know, back, back in the day, um, you always heard like focus on a sport, focus on a sport. It's not like that anymore. Coaches want to see well-versed athletes. They want to see uh, athletes in multiple sports, not only because it does a lot from a physiological standpoint, like you were saying, you can carry some basketball over to some football and some track over to, to, to football as well. And, you know, to see that, that dichotomy kind of shift over time, it makes a massive difference nowadays. So for any Look parents at- out there with kids that are, that are potentially wanting to go through the recruiting process, Put them in, in multiple sports because not only does it help, again, with the physiological side of things, it helps them stay in shape. That's something that people don't always take into consideration. That's why we had two-a-days for so long, and I do know that they're kind of gravitating a little bit more away from that. But the, the concept was we're going to whip you into shape real quick, fast, and in a hurry to get you ready. Well, nowadays, if you have a multitude of sports that you can put in your tool bag, that's something you're not going to have to worry about as much. Which is again why coaches look Perfect. at that type of thing. Absolutely, and 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 coaches want multi-sport athletes because, for one, you know the 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 thing about playing one sport year round is, and it's documented the the you know the injuries, you know, because you're doing the same thing over and over and over, um, and 
just being able to do a different sport. And number one, you don't know which sport you're really going to be good at young. So why not do, you know, a, a myriad of, of sports? And then you look at basketball. Like I've actually started looking at, look at your receivers that are are, are good in basketball. Now you have the, the release where it's like a crossover, you know, where one hand is going between, you know, and you can take that all the way back to basketball. Go and pay attention to it. You know, guys are coming off the line football like they're playing basketball, you know, and it, it's, it's really cool to see it. Same thing in, in basketball, the footwork, you know, soccer, all of those things go hand in hand from one sport to the next, to the next, to the next. And like you said, you're going to be in, in shape all the way through, you know, if we would go from football while, while my, my boys are playing football, my girls are playing, you know, basketball and then volleyball and then, you know, basketball for the boys and then track, you know, and then softball and baseball or whatever, you know, we're, we're trying to fit all of those things in because early, you know, you, you just don't know what you're going to like. So try it all, whether it's karate. Don't need to limit yourself. Yeah, no need to. You know, for me growing up, I never did one sport. It was boxing was my, my first love, my very first sport. You know, I, I grew up in the same gym as the Spinks brothers, Leon uh, Spinks. And they lived down the street from me. So that was you know, my, my introduction to sports. Then it went from that to running track to football, you know, basketball. So for me, it was, I went from literally, I did not want to be bored. So I went from one sport to the next. Nobody pushed me. That was something I wanted to do because I just wanted to play. Cause if not outside, we're going to do every sport there is in a day, you know? So it's just, it, it's, it's fun. I do know that uh, some of the cerebral side of things and the, the mental toughness that Stephon Johnson Jr. exudes on a daily basis primarily comes from Mama Bear. All right, I get it, I get it, I get it. But I also know that you were a phenomenal athlete from the North St. Louis area uh, coming up in the game. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the primary reason that you have got into uh, the assistance and recruiting side of things is because – a lot of us back then, we'd shoot for one specific thing. And once we got it, we thought that was it. And if we ever lost it, we didn't know what to do. Like me specifically, I didn't know what to do after, you know, the, the potential of losing uh, some things going into my sophomore year. So I just up and joined the military because I didn't know any better. I didn't know what, what other recourse of action I could have if I couldn't play a college ball. Um, so you know, kind of where in, in Stephon Johnson Jr.'s process did you gear everything more towards the not only recruiting side of things and preparing him, but getting others in, in the, the Houston area prepared for recruiting as well? Well, going back to, again, you know, me me playing in high school, um, growing up in, in north side of St. Louis, the, the, the neighborhood I grew up in um, – I learned a whole lot about sports just being in the neighborhood, but there was really not a lot of focus on, you know, playing sports collegially. For me, it was, I wanted to, to play sports so that I wouldn't be in my neighborhood and, and put myself in a position to get killed. Basically. I, I grew up in, you know, the, the height of the crack epidemic, 
Um, you know, when when gang culture kind of took over in the country. Um, so for me, it was it was an outlet, you know. So as I got older and, and started seeing more kids attach themselves like this sport, that's all I am. You know, I was like, whoa, you know, we are so much more than a sport. Um, I wanted to give kids what I didn't get right. Not coach kids from where I was or coach kids, how I was coached, you know, and turned out I was really good at it, you know, of making it make sense. Right. So how do I reach you where you are and then help you grow? And understanding that for me, it wasn't about the accolades. It wasn't about, you know, having uh, to say, you know, hey, I, I've helped 100 kids or however many. It's it's I want to help any kid that needs it, because that's what I looked for growing up. You know, who yes, was going to help me understand? I, I remember when I first started playing football, peewee, you know, I had to walk 10 blocks by myself to get to practice. And walk back home. You know, my parents were like, man, you want to play? All right, bye. We'll pay for it. But you you find your way there. You know, and this was a, as a kid, you know, so I'm trying to feel my way through it. You know, so it's like the, the one thing I felt I can give back to, to my kids and any kid around. For me, it was what sense does it make for me to only focus on helping my kid when they got to live in a world with others? So if I can help the kids around you, I'm helping make their world, which in turn becomes your world better as well. So um, always try to give, you know, what you can to the world and good things will come back. So I grew up in a world of negativity. So I always vowed to, to where as an adult, I want to give positive things to the world because I grew up around so much negativity. So, you know, whatever I can do positive to help anybody around me, I'm good with that. So the the reason I, I'm I'm kind of segueing to tie this stuff together. Uh, my last couple episodes, I've been emphasizing the fact that you know times have changed, and as a fan base, people still have this misconception that fans have absolutely zero bearing in not only recruiting but re-recruiting kids. Correct. And the reason that I I wanted to segue off of that was because for all fans out there. It is imperative that you speak positivity in existence, but also to be accurate in, in what you do put out there. Because not only do kids listen, but there's several people out there, much like uh, Stefan, that do have a hand in multiple kids and multiple recruiting efforts that go to multiple different schools. So everybody needs to do their part and saying things that are that are unnecessary, inaccurate, and constantly negative, it does come back to bite you if you don't do it the right way. So off of that, I know you have a, a pretty heavy hand in a lot of the, the recruits that Oklahoma State University is currently uh, potentially looking at, but both for this coming up class as well as 24, 25, 26 classes. How fun – was the the atmosphere for West Virginia game? How many people loved coming to Boone Pickens Stadium to get soaking wet? <laughs> Man, listen, um, it was not fun. Number <laughs> one, it it rained the entire time. Um, 
that was no fun at all. And it was cold. The kids, however, enjoyed it because it was a new experience. And for me, you know, I, I'm, I'm really particular in, in, in how to, to order things because just kind of going through this stuff, you know, a lot of things work in the recruiting world, but I think if, if, if you put things in perspective and you kind of look at roadmaps, right? Like a, a GPS, you can kind of see early, right? If you're seventh, eighth grade and you're not six, two, six, three, you know, there is always different things that you can look at to kind of help you say, okay, this is the direction I want to go in, but let me put myself in a position where I am right now, you know, that, that'll help me, me later. But the kids, man, really, really enjoyed uh, the game. They didn't even mind, you know, being wet because the experience was, this is something that is tangible now because I see, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see the kids that are in front of me. And, and here's the thing about going back to what you said, you know, and, and what people need to, to realize um, if you had 10,000 people show up to your job and they watched you work all day long and went on social media and say, I don't like the way that joker hold his pen. I don't like the way he typed. You, know, you could type a whole lot better than that. I type like this. Why don't you type like that? You know, and just, I mean, would you want to deal with that as an adult every single day? You know, and at the end of the day, these are kids that mentally that are growing, right? You're already in a combative situation with the game that is, is a violent game, right? So now they're taught, you know, turn up. They're taught to turn up, let's be violent. But then away from that, right? How do you turn that down? So we're fueling these kids anger every single day if we're pushing negative, 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 you know, because they're going to see that and they say, well, I either got to play harder or I got to do. And you're talking about minds that are still developing. Right. And what tools do they actually have to, to filter those messages to where they really understand that the people that are saying it is only saying it for whatever reason. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Yes, I agree. You know, people need to think a lot more uh, when it comes to to how they handle what they say about these young men or young ladies. You know that just because you have a platform to speak freely doesn't mean that the consequences from what you say isn't going to be, you know, thought of on a deeper, deeper level that words hurt, you know, and they hurt people in, in different ways. And you can have a hand in destroying someone's mentality. And of course, you you, you want to say, you know, be tough, be tough, be tough. But come on, you know, put yourself in that situation. Yeah. And, and see, you know. Yeah, no, I think, you know, sometimes the, the lines get blurred between holding somebody accountable and being unnecessarily negative. Right. I think, you know, the, the two don't have to be mutually exclusive by any stretch of the imagination. So hey, I'm, I'm very glad that, that you, you got to that. So I can tell you, a lot of people are very, very curious. Could you give us a little breakdown on why Boogie went from his dream school in Oregon to God's country, Stillwater, Oklahoma? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So parents, this is, you know, something that, that that's very important. Every situation is, is different in, in recruiting, but the one thing that, that doesn't change, I don't believe is relationships. Coaches spend weeks and weeks and weeks and months, you know, uh, talking to kids and developing relationships from, from different schools. Uh, that goes a long way. It, it's, you know, proof. Uh, if, if you've played college ball or you played a sport dealing with it, you understand exactly what I'm saying. So um, as fate would have it, you know, Mario Crystal Ball and, and B-Mac were instrumental in recruiting him to Oregon. And, and, and that was, you know, again, his, his dream school. Um, three days before early signing, Mario took the opportunity to go coach back at home at the University of Miami, right? So now the guys that spent eight months, you know, having a relationship and, and building a rapport, you know, with him uh, were gone. So, me understanding the business side of it, I said, okay, wait, you know, we're not going to sign because we got to wait and see who that staff is going to be, what it's going to look like. We were under the impression that, that BMAC was a front runner, you know, which had he got the job, you know, he offered him. So he definitely would have stayed. Right. Um, That didn't happen. So we had to wait, you know, and waited patiently to see, what what would come next right and uh respectfully when when dan landing got the job we knew him coming out of georgia uh georgia hadn't recruited you know boogie so it was kind of like okay you know what's that relationship going to look like right and again you know you you want to put yourself in a, a good situation it's just like getting a job right a lot of people will get into the workforce and then what you know is who you know that can give you a leg up in the workforce, right? So those relationships get you into a job where you're going to do what? Have an advantage, right? Mm-hmm. This is no different. No, no different. Um, if it can all be worked out the way that it's supposed to, right? So the the new crew that came in hadn't recruited him you know, where they were. So common sense says probably not going to like him. And I can respect that. I'm okay with that right. because again, it's, it's business, it's business, it's, it's business and, and we get it, you know? So um, they, they hadn't recruited him, and the communication was not a whole lot. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was a text here, text there, you know? Right. So it was like, okay, you know what? That's very far to go knowing that you're walking into a disadvantaged situation. Now it's different, you know, if crystal ball and, and BMAC were still there, everything right. would, yeah. would be oh, different. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because those phone calls were made, you know, two or three times a week, they checked on them, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was more of a, you know, not putting him in a situation where he would be at a disadvantage because those guys didn't have a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And, he wouldn't, you know, have an opportunity to really, you know, showcase himself, right? Um, and you had, you know, 
schools that were still um, in communication, you know, that were like, hey, you know, if anything changes, you know, hey, we're here, you know, just just so. And just turns out Oklahoma State, you know, was one of those schools that say, hey, if you need us, we're here. You know, we, we like your film. We, we like, you know, what you do. So those conversations, you know, um, and it just became the best fit out of what was given. You know, the consistency, with the coaching staff, um, the fact that, you know, wide receivers from there, a lot of them move on to go to the NFL. And that's his aspiration. You know, whether it, it, it happens or not is up to, you know, what he does on and off the field and, you know, if it happens, but putting himself in a position, you know, to, to give him an advantage for that to happen. Um, those things as a part of the business, you know? Yeah. So uh, the, the door was open the moment crystal ball left gotcha. and we, we had to take a step back and look at again, what was best for, for him. Man, that's uh you know, and, and just like, you know, we, we try to have the tie-ins for the, the parent side of recruiting. Uh, I think it's vitally important that the, the idea of these relationships are more important than anything. Because I think all, all fans, right, no matter how deep your fandom, a lot of people look at something at face value and they say, well, why, how could he go to a Tulsa over Oklahoma State? Like, we do it all the time, right? And... I think getting that that behind the scenes uh, from you is, is is very very important, uh, and thank you very much. We're all greatly appreciative, everybody in Cowboy Nation, that you know it it came the way it did, and you went from the the neon highlighter green O to the right O, right? It, 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 we're we're greatly appreciative because you don't see a lot of freshmen wide receivers play very often in Oklahoma State. Right. And you can go back to Rashawn Woods, Des Bryant, Justin Blackman, Tylen Wallace, James Washington, Tyron Johnson. The list goes on and on and on. And being able to play at Oklahoma State University as a freshman wide receiver is a big deal. And then on top of it, to be able to start, it's a big deal. And then on top of that, to be able to start and then also be a key contributor in some of the success of the passing game. It it just goes to show how. You can put in the time, and if it's reciprocated the right way, it can come down to having success immediately because of preparation. If you're prepared, you're prepared. That'll never change. So before we skedaddle on out of here, I do wanna I do wanna cover briefly. Do you have anything that you wanna tell the people that you have coming down the pipelines, as well as where they can potentially reach you at, sir? Well. Yes. Um, Coast to Coast TC on Twitter, uh, Coast to Coast on Instagram. And if you guys are on Facebook, SD Johnson, I have Flex Zone 101, which is for fourth grade through ninth grade. uh, One-on-one competition that is completely different from any competition around the country. Uh, And again, it's about development. It's about giving kids an extra opportunity from a great perspective of trying to get them to understand early what it's going to look like when they go to a a college campus and compete. So those are the things. And and we're actually looking at kids 
for for who they are. Size has absolutely nothing to do with it. Your name, who coaches you, none of that stuff uh, matters to 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 me because again, the reason why you know the kids around me are, are successful in everything that they do is you know we talk about that every play I compete mentality, compete for the sake of competition. I don't think a lot of kids do that now. Um, so it's a lot easier to be successful if you're just competing and doing it the right way. Uh, tomorrow, Fishbowl Studios Radio on Facebook, 11 to 12, uh, I'll be co-hosting a talk show with On The Mark, Mark Henry. You can find him on The Mark Show uh, on Twitter. Very positive, very informative uh, show. And we have some seven on seven stuff coming up. So stay in touch with Cody. Follow me on Twitter. All of those things, you know, we'll be posting every single day. And um, great thing, con- consultation uh, company is, is coming within okay. the next week. A lot of great things, a lot of great things. So I, I don't want to put a whole lot out there uh, un- until they jump off. Just you guys. Again, follow Cody because he, he tags me. I tag him. Um, follow me. Follow Mark Henry. Follow Scott Rapp. It, it, it's really all about teaching and empowering um, a lot of people early of what to do to put themselves in a position to be seen. You know, not everybody is going to get a, a D1 or Power 5 scholarship. Uh, but there are opportunities out there to continue your sport at the next level. It's just about knowing how to find it and pushing yourself very early and putting yourself in a position to to get what's coming to you. So if if you believe it, you got to start doing the work very early. Uh, and, and what's for you is is for you. I love it. Well, Savon. It's been an absolute honor to have you on the show, sir. I'm glad that you were able to kind of, you know, dive into some of the things that make Boogie such an integral part of the wide receiver core moving forward. Um, Thank you for for bringing him up the right way. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm sure that uh, Mama Boogie had a hand in that too. So hats off to her as well. And one last thing. There's some people in Cowboy Nation that are a little stressed out about only having 11 commits right now in recruiting. As you've seen lately, we have a lot of stuff coming in the pi- in the, the pipeline for recruiting. So everybody just relax a little bit. We got some super seniors coming. The class is coming together very nicely. But, sir, can you please give us one name that maybe we should all do a little bit of extra research on? Whew. Yeah. <laughs> Man, you want me to let the cat out the bag? Oh, don't get don't don't, don't go for the cat, but uh, just go for the mouse behind it. <laughs> yeah, this is curveball. This is curveball season, baby. Man, you know, I you you caught me off guard on that one. Um, hmm. Actually. You're talking about kids that are coming from high school mm-hmm. or I, you, anybody, you, anybody for, to, to, to give that salivating of the mouth sensation for all of Cowboy Nation. Who is somebody that's like maybe under the radar 
that we need to know? I would say offensive line. Um, there is Anthony Bates Jr. out of North Shore, Sea King area, uh, 6'3", 270 center. Uh, I think he would be uh, a great part of Oklahoma State. Uh, I, I know for a fact that they're looking at him. Now, scholarship player, that remains to be seen as far as, you know, what. But this kid has won a state championship with North Shore, uh, has been instrumental in helping C. King get a lot of their wins. I think he'll, you know, he could potentially be a, a great pickup. And there are a lot of kids right now that that are on the radar uh, for Oklahoma State that I think really – let me pull up some names right well, now. Well, we do need help on the O-line. Now, honest to God, it's true, Absolutely. right? That's, that's really – Absolutely. The, that's the only glaring need that we have. And it's not that we don't have talent. It's that we lack the depth behind the that's talent. That's it. That, that's to, – to me is – is something that that is is very important. So I'm I'm spending a lot of extra time looking at um, as, as many linemen around the country as possible. And the one thing that that's a benefit to me being um, able to do what I do the seven on seven in linemen competitions, I can you know touch guys that have these guys all over the country, and the the and really help, you know, the, the recruiting staff say, okay, let's identify, you know, does this kid fit the cowboy culture? You know, because again, helping schools all over the country, you have to know. Now, this is what parents need to understand systems, right? The cowboy culture is all in all a system, right? And does that kid fit? And this goes back to high school football. A lot of people think just because, there is a school on the corner with a football field that my kid can go play. But if your kid doesn't fit that system, mm-hmm. right, he probably won't have the advantage that's afforded to other kids. And then you can take that kid, remove him, plug him into a different system that's suited for him, and he'll excel. Well, and the best part about O-line is – the largest amount of NFL players in that, that are in the NFL that didn't get recruited is the offensive line. Mm-hmm. That seems to be a, a position that people oftentimes don't flourish until college. So, um, and you know, Oklahoma State does have a very rich history on the PWO market uh, mm-hmm. because of exactly what you brought up, which is exactly what your son does embody, which is that cowboy culture. The grab your lunch pail, we're going to go to work, and we're going to go to war mentality. You don't see that as much anymore. So it's 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 a breath of fresh air. So, I, again, I, I thank you very much. And that much. goes back to kind of like what, what I started my, my, my apparel company. Name is, is Epic, right? And that stands for every play I compete because in, in like my, my training mantra, it's, you know, we want to put ourselves in a position – where we compete at everything we do and understand that that's how you set yourself up for greatness. And I'm not talking about sports, greatness in life, because life is all about how you compete 
at whatever you do. If you want to be great on your job, guess what? You're competing against the person that's a manager. So when they move up, they're looking at you like, hey, this guy's a great competitor. Mm -hmm. You know, this guy's built for the grind. Let's move him up. You know, so it's all about competition and, and doing things the right way. And it's about outworking yesterday, you know, and, and how do we do that? There is a kid, uh, Hudson Devins, um, you know, definitely should, should look at him. I think he just got a, a PWO um, for Oklahoma State. Um, man, I, I can go on all day as far as, you know, now I, I will say, you have a lot of kids kind of on the fence right now, um, and, and rightly so because wins help kids make a decision. Losses make them pause. Right? Yep. Everybody wants to be a part of a winning program, so I don't. I don't go on a line and say, you know, that that I'm convinced. You know, this kid is gonna. You know, because again, you you have to look at big picture, right? And I think kids have to look and understand that the the trajectory of the program, even high schools have a down year, you know, just yeah, for whatever yeah. reason, the wheels fall off and, you know, you, you got to write the ship. But then look at the history. Right. And then look at the people that are in place. If you don't see a whole lot of change, then it's just you got injuries, you got this, you got that. So now it's. You know, what's again, what's going to benefit me? And I think a lot of times kids make, again, business decisions based off of emotions, based off of, you know, um, what, what they're losing right now. You know, does that mean they're going to lose next year or, you know, uh, and, and very few people really look at it and say, do I fit this system? Do I even know what the cowboy culture is? Right. Am, am I a part of? you know, that am I the type of player, you know, and, and, and I stress that to parents all the time. You, you got to know where you fit in in a system in order for you to say, OK, this is going to benefit me and benefit them because it has to be a two way street. Yes, it you does. know, it can yes, be it just does. about what you want, you know, and, mm -hmm. and that's something that I stress to my son all the time. You, you can't make, um, you know, unfair expectations when you're not giving above and beyond, you know, you have to be willing to give more than what's being asked in order to put yourself in position to, to win anything, you know, because again, this is not a sport where it's about one individual. It's a collective. And how do you fit in being an individual where you can help the collective? Absolutely. Wow. Well, uh, I think that that about uh, covers everything that we planned on hitting, boss man. Man, I appreciate it, man. Thank you for the opportunity and looking forward to a whole lot more, Cody. Yes. Especially, uh, expect, can I let, can yeah, I let that ahead. out? All right. Yeah. So Cody is going to be instrumental in helping change the face of media in 707. And he's going to come on board and help me figure out a way to help young athletes in, in a different fresh perspective uh pursue everything on the media side and, and give them uh, a, a, an added advantage and a lot of that should be just 
a new look at, you know, projecting where a kid is right now and, and potentially, you know, where it could be. Because, again, you got to dream. If if you want to play this sport, wherever you are right now, you're dreaming of where I'm going to be next, you know. And, and so, so just to, to have the ability to have more people, you know, look at you and say, hey, you know, um, this is, you know, where where you could could end up whether it's, it's right or wrong, it's still good to know those things because to know where you're headed um, is, is always good to say, okay, this is my weakness. Let me turn that into a strength. So we want to continue to push the boundaries on what we can give, you know, young athletes as far as the, the media and marketing side, because that's a very instrumental part of what this football thing is. At the end of the day, High level football. If you're playing college ball, it's about selling tickets. At the end of the day, I don't care what nobody say. If you, you your team can't sell tickets, they're not going to be good for very long. Mm-hmm. Period. So you know, just learning those things early and then and understanding what you can bring to the table. Your value is based on what you can give your team to help them win. Absolutely. Nothing else. What the team can give you, your value is based on what you can give the coaching staff, your team to help put them in a position to win day to day. So that means you have to be good every single day. So we just want to be able to spotlight uh, and help those those kids day to day. I'm excited, man. I'm very, very, very excited. Uh, Appreciate it, man. I needed you. Be a, a part. And um, yeah, the, everything's going to continue to get bigger. It's going to continue to get better. Um, I, I, I would say I'm going to get bolder, but I think, I think that's something I've already kind of crossed off the, uh, the list. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this thing right here, it's got a muzzle. I just don't use it very often. Hey man, it, it is what it is. It <laughs> is what it is. I, I appreciate the opportunity, man. I'm looking forward to a lot more. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, again, thank you for you and mama bear boogie. Ron Johnson Jr. to to bless all of us with what he's able to do in Stillwater, Oklahoma. The future looks very good. If if I can say one thing about this this season, right? It didn't go how anybody anybody thought it was going to, right? But you got to look at the positive, and the biggest positive is the freshman class that got to see some playing time this season are going to be the catalyst the catalyst for even more success for all of Oklahoma State University football They're fans. Going to be so hungry. Stay tuned. This is going to get good. The future is more bright right now than it has ever been at any point in time in Stillwater, Oklahoma. So again, thank and here, you. Sir. Here's the thing to that, Cody. Here's the thing to that. I I, I think people don't really understand and, and then I'm I'm this is my last one. Adversity <laughs> adversity builds character you know just by winning mm-hmm. does not always say that you're good it, it's how do you come back from failure you know that to me shows a true testament of longevity uh a true testament of you know now yes it it, it, it stung yes it's it's frustrating you know but that's life anything that we want you know that's great you, you got to struggle for it. Show me somebody that's great that didn't have, you know, yeah. a, a losing season or seasons, 
you know, in anything, you know, so this is all a part of growth. Now it's all about how do you go back to the lab? How do you get better? How do you learn from, you know, this and put it in your toolbox and come back and say, I didn't like that feeling. Let me play even harder next year. You know, well, and, and preparation, part of preparation is consistency, right? And as we <laughs> talked about earlier, fit. Uh, I have a trivia question for you. See, I'm throwing you more curveballs than you thought saw coming. Do you know how many losing seasons we've had in Mike Gunny's tenure in Stillwater, Oklahoma? Man. Losing seasons. Uh-huh. I would say three. One. One. 2005. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, being one of the top 10 winningest programs in the last 10 to 12 years, it's very, very beneficial. Especially when you're talking about that consistency and the relationships that you do look for that are more important than simply going somewhere because of the sticker on the helmet. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, a lot of people get caught up in, you know, commit to the, the, the school and, and all of that. Yeah. You know, we, we can have a whole long conversation on that. You know? <laughs> long, long, long conversation on that. If, if you're, if you're going for education, then yes, commit to the school. But if you're talking about a sport, it's a whole lot of layers tied in that whole and ton. And you, sir, are integral in, in helping young athletes sift through the layers. So thank you for what you do. Uh, hopefully more people that, that are coming up in this industry do a lot like what you're trying to accomplish and what you have been accomplishing because it's not just about getting kids prepared to play the game. Nowadays – it's more about getting kids prepared for what happens once you get to the game and after That's the game. Important. So, so again, important. thank you for what you do. Uh, continue to continue the good fight. I cannot wait to see uh, some of the new business plans that, that you have coming down the pipeline. I can't wait to be a part of the, the new media side uh, that we're going to put together for some of the seven on seven stuff. So um, yeah, unless you got anything else, brother, man, I've got, yeah, man. Uh, you had your your lighting ready. My producer just brought me some hot cocoa. So I will I will talk you guys to death, man. <laughs> Alrighty, brother. I well, appreciate it. Thank you very much for your time. Again, it's, well, thank it's, you, it's Cody. been a, a massive, massive honor. And I can't wait to see what else we have coming down the pipeline. And I cannot wait to see what your son does in this bowl game. Just because people don't realize whether it's a the toilet.com bowl or the fiesta bowl. A bowl game does nothing but get players prepared for spring, and it really gives them an extra spring. So you oftentimes see freshmen turn into sophomores just because of the extra bowl work. So for all the fans out there that aren't happy with whatever bowl we end up with, nobody in that locker room is going to be super excited that we didn't go to a New York Six Bowl like we should have you know, coming into the season, right? But you also don't plan for 133,000 injuries. You also don't plan to have things snowball and you have this accumulative effect. Nowadays, you can't get by with one quarterback. It's just not no. possible. No. You have to have multiple quarterbacks. And yes. the, the, the future with Garrett Rangel and Gunnar Gundy and Zane Flores and this wide receiver core, I mean, do we really need an alignment? Do, do we really? 
Yes. <laughs> yes. You, you, you can always use some. It was some... tongue in cheek. I, I knew you were going to correct me. Yes. Yes. We need Party some. Well, no, man, I appreciate you. And I'm, I'm actually looking forward to, you know, seeing what, what, what he does in the future as well. Um, you know, he's young and, and still, you know, unfolding and, and still maturing. And at the end of the day, you know, this is his first year away from home, you know, uh, first year trying to figure out, you know, who he is and get his classes in order and, you know, balance all of that stuff. And and we don't make excuses, you know, yeah, whatever, no. he, whatever he does, good, bad, you know, we, we own it and keep moving, you know, because that's just that's a part of life. You know, well, have him have him hit me up and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do some some high point drills and then uh, he'll be well on his way to the NFL. Let's do it. I got you. <laughs> all right, Let's brother, do it. Man. All right. Well, uh, for all of you out there, I greatly, greatly appreciate your time. And I greatly appreciate all that you were able to give us. Thank you, guys. For everybody, guys, it is very, very important that we as a fan base, again, do things that are that are not only conducive of what's best for the university, but keep these young men in mind. Because if we're not giving accurate information, then we're doing ourselves a disservice, the young men a disservice, and the university a disservice. So I want to thank you all again for stopping by and making this your first listen here on Locked On Oklahoma State. Until tomorrow, I love you all. God bless. Go Pokes. Go Pokes. Let's do it.